This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, results. There's no other word to describe the work of our Democratic state legislature and Governor Whitmer in 2023. With the end of the 2023 session, Democrats can take pride in the most productive legislative session in memory. It's a stunning contrast with what the U.S. House of Representatives, where Texas Congressman Chip Roy, went to the House floor to angrily concede that they have accomplished just about nothing in 2023. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. In Michigan, It's a different story. The list of highlights is a long one. Bear with me as I go down the list, and to help you remember it all, a list is on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. Reproductive rights, with repeal of the law making abortion a crime and eliminating bureaucratic red tape enacted to make legal abortions difficult. Protecting your rights under the Affordable Care Act, in case Republicans in Congress succeed in gutting the law. Expanding Michigan's pioneering Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act to recognize the rights of LGBTQ people. Outlawing conversion therapy. Repealing anti-worker laws, including the deceptively named right-to-work law. Repealing the Snyder-initiated retirement tax. Expanding the earned income tax credit for lower-income working families. Voter rights legislation that runs counter to nationwide Republican efforts to suppress voting. Record investments in education from pre-K right through higher education. Record investments in repairing our long-neglected state highways and water systems. Enactment of common-sense gun safety laws, including a red flag law and requiring safe gun storage in homes. A package of laws promoting clean energy, bills which will help protect the planet from climate change, and at the same time will create thousands of new jobs for Michigan. Enactment of financial disclosure requirements for elected state officials and candidates for those offices. There's still more work to be done. Legislative Democrats and the governor will continue their efforts in 2024, working on issues ranging from artificial intelligence to further improving public education and taking steps to expand Michigan's economy. Thanks to some local electoral successes and a do-nothing mentality amongst legislative Republicans, we may be delayed a little. Democrats have temporarily fallen into a 54-54 tie with Republicans in the State House due to the election of Representatives Kevin Coleman and Lori Stone as mayors of Westland and Warren. Without Republican support, no bill can pass until those two vacancies are filled. Sadly, Republicans have shown little interest in serious bipartisan discussions on major legislation. We'll be joined in a few minutes by one of the leaders who guided the successes of 2023, Senate Majority Floor Leader Sam Singh. But first, an update on the political and policy news this week that has direct impact on Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tyus. In the news this week, for the first time in a half century, the Flint area will not be represented by a Kildee in Congress. Dan Kildee has announced he's retiring from Congress after 10 years. He was elected to succeed his uncle Dale who was first elected 48 years ago. Dan Kildee quickly became one of the most respected members of Congress. He serves on the two most powerful committees in the House, Ways and Means and Budget. 
He's also co-chair of the House Democratic Steering Committee. The 8th District is considered a swing district and will be a major focus for both parties in 2024. Michigan Court of Claims Judge Robert Redford has ruled that Donald Trump should appear on the Michigan presidential primary ballot despite his role in organizing and promoting the January 6th assault on the Capitol. Lawyers representing groups seeking to bar Trump from Michigan's ballot have already filed an appeal on the ruling and requested the state's Supreme Court rule on the measure before ballots are printed. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has announced that three Democrats will appear on the February 27th presidential primary ballot. President Biden, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips and Marion Williamson. The MAGA-dominated Ottawa County Board of Commissioners has offered the county's health director a $4 million settlement in an effort to replace her with an anti-vax replacement. Now, the board is having second thoughts and has held multiple closed-door meetings on whether to follow through on firing Health Officer Adeline Hambly. Hambly has filed a wrongful termination suit against the county. A New York Times investigation has revealed that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been paid tens of millions of dollars as a result of his many so-called public service crusades, including his anti-vaccine campaign and environmental activism. Behind much of his public career, the Times reports, has been a relentless private hustle. Board positions and advisory gigs, side deals with law firms, book contracts, and an exhausting schedule of paid speeches once upward of 60 a year by his own count. Four Ohio Republican state lawmakers are seeking to strip judges of their power to interpret an abortion rights amendment after voters opted to enshrine those rights in the state's constitution. The legislators said in a news release that they'll push to have the legislature, not the courts, make any decision about the amendment. Their strategy has been attacked as still another Republican effort to overturn an election because they don't like the outcome. Responding to criticism over the blatant abuses by Justice Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, the U.S. Supreme Court has approved an ethics policy for the court. Missing from the policy? Enforcement. It remains up to each justice to decide if they are complying with the ethical standards. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tide. Thank you, Dorian. Joining us this week, one of the leaders who helped make 2023 a record-setting year for progressive legislation benefiting families across Michigan. Sam Singh is Senate Majority Floor Leader. He previously served six years in the State House. During his last term, he was Democratic Leader of the House. His public service began at the local level as a council member and then mayor of East Lansing. His wife, Carrie Ebersole Singh, was recently elected to East Lansing City Council. Senator Singh talked with our Walt Sorg. It is a tremendous contrast between what the Michigan legislature has accomplished in the year and uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C., where you've even got people like Representative Chip Roy in Washington saying, hey, we haven't done anything. You've had a record-setting session of all the accomplishments of this legislature that you've been involved in. Which one gives you the most satisfaction? 
It's really hard to say, Walt. There's been so many good things that we've been able to do. Having a majority for the first time in 40 years, there was obviously a lot of pent-up energy and interest in a, a variety of policies. I would say from a just a personal matter, having represented Michigan State University for as long as I have, from a city council member to a mayor to to now in the Senate, having watched what the university went through with the horrific shooting in February, to watch those students at the university galvanize, put pressure on the legislature to pass common sense gun violence preventions and really helped, I think, push a legislature that was leaning towards doing something, but really pushed and made it make sense and made the sense of urgency real. Those students, I thought, did a great job of advocacy. And I was really proud that we were able to pass those three very significant gun violence prevention measures in the spring of this year. Another issue which you were deeply involved in dealt with climate change and transforming Michigan's economy towards a green economy. That's been a personal crusade for you for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was mayor in East Lansing, uh, I joined with other mayors uh, throughout Michigan to sign on to the climate accords when the federal government refused to do it. It made sense that we needed to all do our part in trying to solve the climate crisis. When I was in the House, I was presented an opportunity to work at that point with, it was a Republican legislature and a Republican governor to take a look at energy policy And in the 2016 law, we actually made some modest gains in renewable energy and energy efficiency programs in the state. We were actually the only state that made those gains in a Republican legislature. That's because all the Democrats stood together and they said, if you you needed our vote, governor, which he did, we wanted to see expansion of renewable energy and energy efficiency programs. And starting in those points in time, especially when I didn't have many allies, we were able to actually see some modest, modest gains. And so When we came in with a majority, I knew for me, from a legislative standpoint, that I was going to work on climate and got to work with some great champions in the Senate, Senator Sue Schenck, Senator Erica Geis, Senator Stephanie Chang, and Jeff Irwin and others to really try to put forward common sense, but at the same time, policies that were going to have an impact on our residents throughout the state, but also growing jobs in Michigan. And so I was proud in the last few weeks of the session that we were able to get strong, very strong climate provisions throughout that now is being heralded across the country as a bold step for the Midwest and was proud to play a a small part in that. New technologies have played a major role in two major strikes in recent weeks, the UAW strike in large part over concerns of workers that clean energy and the transformation to electric vehicles was going to cost union workers jobs. And then in Hollywood, artificial intelligence, another new technology of great concern. You mentioned job growth as a part of your clean energy efforts. Are you convinced that this is a net plus for the state in terms of opportunities for people to get good jobs? My hope is that it is. You know, what we've seen over the last few years is that, um, 
Michigan is leading the Midwest in clean energy jobs that have been created. Obviously, you have still strong numbers within our existing utilities, whether they're the big ones like DTE and Consumers Energy or our smaller, more community-orientated utilities that are in many of our municipalities. So we've seen that growth already happen. But one of the things that we wanted to ensure as we looked at these policies was that when there is transition, there is always new skills that are needed, that are new jobs that we don't know of today that will be here in five to 10 years. And so we created one of the policies to go along with the 100% clean energy by 2040, the expansion of renewable energy. We created a a bill that would look at transitions within our industries. It's called creating a just transition office. We uh, put that in the department called LEO, which is the uh, Labor and Economic Opportunity uh, Department. And what it will do is it'll have staff that will be dedicated to working with industries that are going through significant change. Those could be energy sectors, as you're seeing, obviously closing down of coal plants and more focus on renewable energy as well as storage technology. could be the automotive sector that is seeing some significant transition from the combustion engine to electric vehicles. Uh, But it also could be, as you mentioned, AI. There's going to be a significant change in a variety of industries because of AI. And having a department like this that can look long-term, can work with businesses and workers together, they can begin to do some, I think, really significant things. And we get significant hundreds of millions of dollars through the federal government flow through the state for workforce development, for economic development opportunities on top of the money that we put in as a state. And if we could galvanize that and say, hey, we know this industry is going to change, but these are the the new jobs that will be there. How do we then help transition workers to those new opportunities? I think too many times when we've seen transition happen, we've not had the resources, nor have we had the foresight to plan it out with the industry. And so I think in years past, we've seen jobs lost, we've seen uh, layoffs occur. And what we want to be able to do is a proactive way is to work with industry and workers to see if we can help people make the transition that will happen in all of these industries because new technology is available. Let's talk short-term legislature for just a moment. Many of these great accomplishments went through on straight party line votes, despite the minimal majorities that Democrats have in both chambers. But now Democrats temporarily are tied with the Republicans in the House without any bipartisan cooperation. Nothing can get through. What do you see over the next three to four months until these vacancies in the House are filled? I think, you know, one is I do want to remind your listeners that a lot of the things we have done have been bipartisan in nature. Obviously, the big items, whether they're, you know, restoring women's rights, workers' rights, unfortunately, climate legislation, we had to do on party line votes. But a lot of the day-to-day activities that we do, the things that don't end up in the papers, the things that don't end up uh, getting the major headlines are are done in a bipartisan way. And so the Senate uh, anticipates being back uh, as the Constitution requires. Uh, The second Wednesday of uh, January, we plan on uh, having an aggressive uh, calendar for our committees and we'll begin to look at the bills that we had worked on in the fall and that needed more time here going into the first quarter of 2024. I think you'll see a lot of uh, those uh, bills that, once again, probably don't get a lot of media play, but you'll see those move their way through committee, move their way through both 
both chambers. Obviously, if the Republicans in the House want to shut government down or at least the House down for a few months, they can. But I think they've hopefully seen what's happened in Washington, D.C. The gridlock that has happened by the fact how they can't find a Speaker of the House on, on a national level. And if they want to play that game, I think that'll be significantly impacting them come November next year. So my hope is that they'll be smart. They'll know that the average Michigan resident wants them to work in a bipartisan way and that we'll get a lot of things done. And then when we do have those last two seats put back to a majority because those are the Democratic-leaning districts. The partisan items that might have stacked up in the House, well, they'll have an opportunity to begin to work on those. But my hope is that the Republicans in the House will understand what the public wants of them and that they will listen to, to their residents. On the positive side, uh, as we wrap this up, is the tremendous unity that the leadership on both sides of the Capitol have managed to bring to the Democratic caucuses, Speaker Tate and his team in the House, you and uh, Senate Majority Leader Brinks in the Senate. It is not a monolith ideologically in your caucus, yet you stuck together. How is this accomplished? I have to give a lot of credit to my leader, Winnie Brinks, who has a really collaborative style with our 20 members in the Senate caucus. Speaker Joe Tate has kept a a fairly large and diverse caucus of, of 56 together on all of these big items that we've talked about here. And at times where we needed bipartisan support, he's sought it out. We've sought it out on our end as well. And I anticipate that we'll have some good opportunities going forward. But it's the leadership of both caucuses. I I think most members understand the historic opportunity that we have here, having not had these uh, three levels of government under democratic control for over 40 years. My sense is that people understand the reality of where we're at and the opportunity that we have. And people have been good about trying to find pragmatic solutions to very complicated issues. And I saw that very much on the energy policy, where we had a very diverse set of perspectives, but people came together with, I think, a very solid plan that will move us forward for clean energy, but energy efficiency. It'll help us manage costs for our residents and it'll create jobs in the future. So it's that kind of pragmatic thinking Democrats have had. And I look forward to that next level of our work in 2024. Got to wrap up with congratulations to your wife. She's been involved in public service and appointive positions for many years, uh, but now she's in her first elective office, just like her husband, a member of East Lansing City Council. Got to feel good. Yeah, we were really excited. She worked really hard uh, for this, obviously has been more of the behind the scenes person and actually been in a lot of positions with this uh, governor and her administration. But she was feeling some level of interest and some frustration in the city and thought she she could lend her voice and uh, ended up being the number one vote getter a couple weeks ago. And so we're excited for her service for the community. Senate Majority Floor Leader Sam Singh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. That's our report for this week. We ask for your help in spreading the word about what Democrats are accomplishing for Michigan. Share our podcast with your friends and colleagues, both in person and in your social media. I'm LaVora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.